Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm Ellie Stuhler. For the London Design Festival, the pod that usually lives at White City Place is going on tour. For two days, we're recording from the Brompton Design District and from Exhibition Road outside the Victoria and Albert Museum. Today, we're in the Brompton Design District, and producer David Michon is hosting. The way we experience an object is perhaps one of the most important things about it. It can be a strange experience, then, to view them in museums, often behind glass, with our understandings of their importance perhaps too succinctly written out in captions. In the pod are two people who are working to help reframe how we engage and understand design, rounding out our appreciation through storytelling and more participatory approaches to its display. My name is Tetsuo Mukai. I'm uh, one half of uh, Design Practice called Studio Portable, but we also have a more collaborative practical workshop for potential design where we organize uh, group exhibitions and other events related to design and how we interact with design. My name is Johanna Agerman-Ross and I'm the founder of a design journal called Diseño and I'm also a curator at the Victoria and Albert Museum where I look after the collection of 20th century and contemporary furniture and product design. Johanna is the founder of quarterly design magazine, website and events program Diseño and is now the curator of 20th century and contemporary furniture and product design at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Tetsuo is co-founder, along with Bernadette Deddens, of Studio O Portable, as well as Workshop for Potential Design, a platform for research and collaborative design practice. They organize exhibitions, workshops, and other activities related to design, including a project for the London Design Festival in collaboration with the Victorian Albert Museum called Taking Liberties, about which we'll hear more in their conversation. So, um, the Taking Liberties, which is a project we we run at at the VNA, which Johanna and we worked on together. We describe it as a cross between guided museum tour and um, experimental drawing class, where we take people around and we get them to draw certain objects with special instructions on how to draw them. And obviously, I was leading all the tours, so I couldn't really say how he felt to take part, but Johanna was on the trial tour, so maybe <laughs> you can yeah. describe how it was. Yeah, it was a really fascinating experience for me. I mean, I work within the VNA and I walk around its rooms every day, but doing it together with a tour guide that's not necessarily someone who the VNA has instructed to do a tour, but a designer that's coming to the museum to kind of experience our collection and the galleries from their point of view gave me another perspective on the museum as well. So the tour was structured to take you through the museum in a slightly alternative fashion, uh, looking at objects in about six different galleries and taking you on a route that maybe as a general visitor you wouldn't have taken before. So it sort of opened up a connection as well and how you kind of moved through the fabric of the building, which I thought was really interesting. And then you were a group of six people that took part, so every tour had six people taking part. And uh, we had our sketchbook, which we have here somewhere with us, which was a very beautifully designed object by Workshop for Potential Design. 
which is sort of akin a little bit to a school sketchbook. And it came with its own matching pencil. And then there was also a rubber or eraser handed out, which was yes. um, yeah. in the mold of David's fig leaf, which we also have on display in the um, cast courts. So there was a connection between the objects that we had to hand, the, the yeah. sketching tools and the collection as well, which was a really nice a little added extra, I'd say. But what really kind of created a special sense with these tours was that as a group of six people, you walk together, you sketch together, and Tetsu kind of gave us the story of the objects. Um, you had a sort of sense of camaraderie. So each object that we looked at had its own exercise. And it wasn't about really sketching beautifully or sketching skillfully. Mm-hmm. It was more about pushing your understanding of the object through the technique that you used. So, for example, we sketched with our non-dominant hand, which in my case is left hand, and I was absolutely rubbish. And uh, someone else did the same thing, but it turned out that they were quite good. And then you had an interesting conversation about it afterwards, sort of comparing notes, comparing drawings, but not in a kind of competitive way, more in a way where you said, oh, that's interesting, I didn't see it like that, or I would have done it this way or it's cool that you're doing it like that so you, so each time you looked at someone else's drawing and had this discussion it also opened up a debate between the participants that you maybe otherwise would never have had the opportunity to yeah. have so i really I, I really enjoyed that communal perspective of taking the sketch tour yeah i think that's one of the things we're interested in um you know drawing this object in kind of slightly awkward way but also that in in the sense that makes it your own version of it. And I think, like you said, we're coming from outside of the museum and this tour is very much organized from the outside perspective as a starting point. And I think, you know, there are lots of museums where these amazing objects are in and you, you know what they are because you read about them. But we, I guess we thought maybe there's a way of kind of taking ownership of these objects somehow without actually taking them away, <laughs> away from the museum. I mean, um, hence the title, Taking Liberties. Yeah, Taking yeah. Liberties. And, you know, in, in a way, sketching is a kind of tool to interpret and, yeah, make sense of the object in your own way. And I think that's quite important that people, you know, people know they can do that because often, I think, museums are such a big institution, they're authority on everything, and they're right about most things. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, there are still room for interpretation and kind of mm. different ways to appreciate. I think a, a museum like the V&A, from that point of view, is very keen to connect with its audience in different ways. I mean, you have, for example, every day that you walk through the museum, you have groups of people sketching, but it tends to be a more solitary act. It tends yes. to be that you pick yeah. the object you want to sketch and you sit down by it and you spend your time over it. So it becomes a more kind of maybe introverted way of looking at the collection. And yeah. I think that the sketch tour Taking Liberties was more extrovert in that sense. And yeah. that was a really special moment for me to realize that people can kind of have fun and enjoy that moment and in a way that is a little bit unexpected within the museum. And I think that for us creating this connection between contemporary practice such as yours and the history because I should also mention that the objects that we saw and visited within the sketch tour were not contemporary they were ranging from <laughs> all eras and places yes, yeah, from, from uh, yeah. yeah 2500 BC to 10 years ago yeah so yeah and from 
an area in Japan where you were from? Yeah, yeah, from <laughs> yeah in Japan, from Japan to Paris to yeah, Holland, mostly Netherlands, the Netherlands, uh, Italy. Yeah, yeah, there are different places. Yeah, but I think one of the prompts that we had to start thinking about this were well, there are several, but one of them was you know Vienna starting off as this place for people to study. I think. Initially, it was the, in which document actually this was mentioned, I'm not sure, but it was meant to improve the public taste in design. <laughs> that's a, that's a kind of initial intention for the museum. And I think that's still happening in some ways, but I feel there's a lot more kind of accepted way of improving or understanding design now than back in the days when V&A was made. And we thought we could maybe suggest a version of you know, something we could do. Well, it's interesting because we sit right in front of Henry Cole's home uh, yes, here yes. in the podcasting <coughs> studio. And the foundation of the VNA is very much about connecting with art schools to work with students on uh, enhancing their skills, hence the cast courts mm-hmm. that we were in on the sketch tour, yeah. having a lot of what are deemed as fakes, uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but kind of uh, fake sculptures by the likes of Michelangelo and so on in order for students to be able to understand them better and be able to sketch them and enhance their own skills through looking at these artworks. But then of course, yes, taste was something that I think at that period, mid 19th century, but then continuing through the 20th century has been a very, very key discussion (laughs) within design. And I think we are at a point in time when that's changing massively for the better because it's so much more than that and I think that we sometimes get too stuck into what's good and what's bad and it's so loaded and it's uh, something that I think as a museum we're not interested in anymore but I shouldn't speak for the museum I should speak for myself but but the museum as a public space which it is you know especially in the UK we're very very fortunate that we have museum spaces that are free to enter where anyone can walk in and browse the collections without parting with any sums of money whereas yeah. in Sweden for example where I'm from that doesn't exist to same, the same degree mm. so the museum within the UK therefore becomes a public space where you yeah. kind of extend the street into the museum you know you can just walk through the museum sh- like today shielding yourself from the <laughs> rain uh, but, while <laughs> but while you do that you can also have am- amazing encounters with objects that maybe you've never considered before or Never. Yeah. yeah, actually, that that's kind of my experience of o- organizing this tour because mm-hmm. I've been to most, you know, rooms in, in within the VNA, but I think I was missing a few. I haven't hadn't been to some of them, but this couple months leading up to I went to all the rooms. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked at very closely most of the objects I was on show, and yeah, there are so many things I didn't know. But one of the, the kind of downside of that is. That I realized I couldn't get lost in the museum anymore. Which that's I used exactly to like. my experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so such that's a shame. a shame. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because when I first started uh, in the museum, which was many years ago, I was a student there, and mm. I remember it was so felt so privileged to have this pass, which let you enter the museum when it was closed, because yeah. obviously we studied here past opening hours, and you could walk through galleries that mm. were dark or partly lit and it was just this quite magical experience of experiencing the museum and its objects in mm. a light and in a 
time of day when no one else can see it and it felt very very special and um, now because of um security risks and so on we can't do that to the same extent oh, okay. anymore yeah. so there's a more straight route to get out of the museum for example mm-hmm. so you can't have those uh, unexpected encounters but just like you I, I often feel sad that I can't just enter the museum in a way where you are just completely in awe of yeah. the amount of stuff and the amount of rooms and you never know which floor you're on luckily we make sure to make it confusing by having <laughs> floor numbers that are different in different yeah, parts of I the know, building. Yeah, I know. I did notice that as well. <laughs> I also know which lifts are the best ones to use yeah. now. Some <laughs> of them are slower than others. It's true, the glass lift is very slow. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one mystery one where there's like a light are now working, so you don't know where it's going. <laughs> um, but you yeah. Fi- you find other things to entertain you once you know the museum better. You're listening to a special episode of Thought Starters, a podcast for White City Place, recorded from the Brompton Design District as part of the London Design Festival. In conversation are Johanna Egerman-Ross, founder of Designio and curator at the Victorian Albert Museum, and Tetsuo Mukai, co-founder of Workshop for Potential Design. But to go back to the sketch tour and, and, yes. and the kind of the project that Workshop for Potential Design did, I think that for me, as um, a curator within an institution like the VNA, it's really, really exciting to see a contemporary studio like yours engaging with historical objects. And I think that for me, although the collection that I look after is modern and contemporary, there's so much more to explore. And I think sometimes contemporary practice doesn't make the most of that. I think mm. that sometimes we we don't look far back enough in history. And I think that that's why it was with your sketch tour, the fact that we had a jar from 2000 when uh, 2500 BC, BC yeah you know was maybe not something that you'd expect to have on the sketch tour necessarily because maybe it would have been things that were more what we deem as industrially manufactured mm. you know so i think that from that point of view it opened up i think in it w- a very yeah interesting way yeah i just think the jar was for a lot of people kind of unexpected thing mm. to have in the tour also to find in at the VNA because it's so it's very old and it is in the ceramics gallery but you know it is <laughs> so, so much more but it's actually that's funny to mention that one because it, that's one of those things I wouldn't have picked unless I was walking around the museum to find it because I didn't know it was there mm. and it's if you don't know it's there then you can't find it on the catalog mm. Yeah, you need to know either its object number or its location. So yeah. yeah, but I think looking back at the past has been kind of our, not just for the you know, studio practice, but you know, something we enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Also, in terms of like what technology can do, it's not always looking to the future, but those technologies could help us look back mm-hmm. again. And I guess, you know, sketching is not very much a technology, but it's also a way to look back in at, you know the things that came before us. I mean, as a design practice, mm. we do often start with by looking back at you know, not necessarily two thousand years BC, but you know historical instances, not necessarily objects, but ideas and how people used to talk about these ideas or interact with these things. And I think technology or idea of technology is a big part in our practice. It's often about technology, but I think when we say technology, all technology, it's, there are many things that 
we take for granted now, but they used to be cutting edge textiles, like windows. Mm. Imagine. Or chisel. Yeah, game game changers, Mm. right? And I think it's nice to think about kind of like a shock of people back in the days when they discovered windows and how normal it is now. And that's kind of, to us, it's almost encouraging. You know, we're, you know, very much kind of interested, but also scared of new technologies sometimes. But, and then we think like, oh yeah, we are the first people to encounter this amazing mm. but scary technology. But no, we are not. There's like everybody's been doing this for millennia. But then that's something that really struck me when we again talking about the jar from Japan from 2500 yeah. BC, you know, at the same time, it's eerily similar to how 3D printing yeah, works. That's what, yeah. So, you know, so you have a piece of clay, which is kind of like ringlets that are kind of laid yeah, in. Coiled. Coiled, from the bottom yeah. To, the top, to yeah. the top, which is exactly how, you know, yeah. we went past a, a 3D printed j- yeah. table. It's exactly the same technique, but enabled through a very modern and cutting edge technology from nowadays. So yeah. for me, those kind of connections, walking through the m- museum, and connecting these objects and lining them up next to each other was a, a, a kind of eye-opening experience too, which really kind of made you think, yeah, as, as you say, how some things that seem very cutting-edge now are in fact based on extremely old-fashioned and yeah. quite basic technologies, yeah. as you name it. But I think the other thing which um, really gets me, and I think that you know this comes both from being a editor and founder of a, a design journal and having worked in design journalism for a long time uh, and also working as a curator now is this idea of telling stories through objects. I think that objects are very fascinating for ma- so many different reasons. You know, you can talk about them through the way they're made. You can talk about them from the material they're made from. You can talk them from the point of view of the maker. You can talk about them from the point of view of the designer. But you can also experience changes in society through objects and you can also experience a personal history through an object because it might be that that particular object belonged to someone and had a specific meaning in their life and I think that these are things that within a kind of object label within a museum you can only cover so much and you can only cover the perspective that's relevant for that gallery so If it's in the furniture gallery looking at a specific technique, you write about the specific technique. If you're going through the 20th century gallery and it's something that originates from 1941, it might be something connected to scarcity and the Second World War. But you can never, within a label, experience all of the potential of that object. And I think that when we did the sketch tour with you guys, it was a way of unearthing other alternative stories to what you had in front of you. And of course, for me and my work as a curator, I'm really hoping that that will also open up a possibility for the people that took the sketch tours or the people that can look at the sketchbook afterwards and see the exercises, they can take this on board and bring that with them to look at other objects in the collection. And that I think is a really exciting possibility that the Taking Liberty sketch tours have sort of opened up for me and that we are oh. there there are other aspects that we can explore through that. Yeah. Yeah, that so. sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I mean I think one of the things we used to do or people still should be doing is, you know, find an object that's that interests you and then kind of do research on it. Which is basically how this tour is organized. Mm-hmm. I've been going around and looking at things and you know, looking into histories and context mm-hmm. and then kind of making connections. 
And yeah, I don't know. I hope students are doing that now still. But there are so many easily accessible images、mm. that's somehow loosely connected for you. Yeah, they are. Pinterest is the bane of my life, for example. When I search something online,、yeah. you get Pinterest images with absolutely no detail as no. to what they are, where they're from,、no. uh, how they came about in the、yeah. first place.、It's、But that's something that with the museum is really welcome because I guess that what you hope to enable and make people aware of is that it is a resource for everyone to use.、Yeah. It's there for you to discover the object, but you also have the library <coughs> attached to it, which has a lot of information about the pieces、mm-hmm. that are in the collection. And then you also have the possibility of accessing research files on specific objects should you want to. So、yeah. there is a wealth of information that's printed and that's very analog. Yeah, but, but it takes time to access it. Yeah, but I think the context for this object to exist is very important. I know some students now use images in their paper and the source just as Google Images or Pinterest, and that's that's not anything. It's just an image, right?、Mm. And I think. Because you know some of these old objects, even objects from the 70s and 80s, if you are not used to, if you didn't know the context, they might not look like anything. Like the technique might be very normal now, or the material is very much like everyday material now. But in the 70s, for example, transparent acrylic wasn't so easily, you know, fabricatable or usable in furniture. And I was talking to somebody this week about how. Young people seems very uninterested in.、Hmm. This sounds very old, Tetsu. <laughs> I was talk. Well, I am quite old in this. I you know, but basically, I think our our kind of over lunch theory was that young people are so used to seeing so many images without context,、mm. they don't know the shock of people when they saw certain you know certain masterpieces from the seventies.、Mm. They They've never been shocked before, and、mm-hmm. they have no aspiration or even ability to shock people because those things are too flatly, kind of evenly available. So there's a numbness attached. Yeah, to it. like <laughs> if you've never been shocked by a piece of furniture before, how can you kind of even aspire or like know those things could exist?、Mm. And I think Pinterest and Google Images kind of just create this flatness of this unflat of images that normalizes all these different things as. Exist on the internet,、mm. and I think VNA is important to kind of, you know, go against that trend in a way because these are physical objects that little image on your phone doesn't show you, you know, their details and textures. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's important to kind of protect those things.、Mm. Um, it's interesting because, of course, the thing. As a curator, that you get to do that visitors don't get to do is to、mm-hmm. touch an object or move an object. And if we were to allow many people to touch or move objects, they would not remain within、no. the collection for so long、it's、because they, yeah. So that is something that is a dilemma. But that's why I thought again the sketch tour in some ways enlivened the objects again.、Yeah. So they were not necessary. <coughs> it didn't become frustrating that they were objects behind glass because、yeah. through. Sketching them and experiencing them through the story that you told, they came alive in front of you in a way that you felt that maybe it was akin to being able yeah, to touch or move. Yeah. So in the in the tour while people sketching, I'm I'm talking while they are sketching, like、uh, explaining and kind of giving context. But yeah, I think sketching is also a kind of good excuse you can give yourself to spend more time with an object、mm. rather than just 
walking around and maybe reading the little, you know, the information and walking away. Yeah, they always, there's all these studies that say that people spend more time reading the yeah. <laughs> the captions around objects than yes, seeing the objects. Yeah. And as a person walking into a gallery or a museum, I think most people are drawn to the object that gives you information about what you see, which mm-hmm. tends to be the name of the artist, the year it's made, and then a little blurb about what it's portraying. And then you mm-hmm. think, okay, I've, I've taken that in, now I can move on. But really what you need to do after that is to then look and yeah. experience and feel. And I think that, again, and maybe this is also down to the fast pace of our lives, we kind of just feel that that's enough, now we need to move on. And you kind of make this experience of going through a gallery in a museum one of speed and efficiency, when in yeah. fact you should maybe kind of go like you did when you researched spend a good deal of time in one gallery and just experience what's in there for longer because I think that again you make connections with those objects in a way that you don't if you just you're on a schedule that you need to get through the space as quickly as possible. That was Johanna Agerman-Ross, founder of Designio and a curator at the Victoria and Albert Museum, and Tetsuo Mukai, co-founder of Workshop for Potential Design. This has been Thought Starters, recorded in the pod at Brompton Design District as part of the London Design Festival. Thought Starters is a Dean & Co. project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded by Alex Portfelix, and edited by Claire Urban. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at whitecityplace. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time.